Pentecost being the Sunday we celebrate the Holy Spirit being made present to and made available to us, I was thinking about the Apostles' Creed and how we talk about the Spirit in the Creed. It made me think about how we talk about the other persons of the Trinity, too. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And then the Apostles' Creed skips over everything that is the Old Testament. Like, nothing more is said about God the Father but that God created heaven and earth. That's it. If I asked anyone to do a book report on the Old Testament, like summarize it, I'd probably be handing your paper back if all you had on it was, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Like, say more. I'm interested in more. But the creed doesn't say more than that because that's not the point of the Apostles' Creed. It assumes that not much more explanation is needed for our belief in God the Father. It's a Christian's belief in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, that requires, well, it still requires a bit more explaining. For the second article of the Creed, we get far more specific. I believe in Jesus who was conceived this way, born that way, died and was buried. We say what happens on the third day. We proclaim a belief that He ascended to heaven, and then we also say we believe He'll come again to judge the living and the dead. We get very specific about Jesus because we can be very specific. Jesus was a person born into time with an actual life, death, resurrection, and ascension to report. People saw it. It happened. So we put those specifics into our creed. Why wouldn't we? Then we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Whoa, 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 right? Like, is that all we have to say about the Holy Spirit, that we believe in it? I mean, at least with the Father, we said what the Father did, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Not only is that not specific, like when we talk about Jesus, it doesn't say anything about the Spirit. What would you want to be able to say about the Spirit? Like, what do you wish you could know, the, the specifics that you wish you could confess? Like, here's what it sounds like to hear the Spirit of God. Then we could fill that in, maybe? Or, and here's how to open yourself to the work of God's Spirit. And then, you know, maybe say that in the creed. Say these words or do that thing and the Spirit will appear. But, of course, we don't have a code to share or a universal practice to proclaim. All we have to confess is that the Spirit is. Since September, on these Wednesday evenings, through a pandemic and now into a time when we've started to worship in person, we at First Lutheran have traveled through Scripture. That's the lectionary we use, this narrative lectionary from the story of creation in Genesis, through the whole Old Testament, through the story of Jesus, and now these past seven weeks through many stories of the early church getting more acquainted with what Easter meant. As we hear this Pentecost story tonight then, it would be good to step back and look at the big picture that is the story of God meeting our story. 
Remember, God creates humankind in God's image to be fruitful, to fill the earth, to have dominion over every living thing. God creates humans to steward the earth and all that is in it. And He looked at all that He'd made, and indeed, God said it was very good. And so, on the seventh day, God rests. Of course, it doesn't take long for humans to forget our role as stewards. We pretend we own the place. We turn our backs on God in an effort to control things for ourselves. This self-promotion is at the heart of all sinfulness. The efforts we make to control what isn't ours, to be something we're not, to turn in like an ingrown nail on ourselves, which is one of my favorite analogies for sin. You know, sin's like an ingrown nail. It's gross, it's painful, it's not how it's supposed to work. That's sin. So, humankind has turned in on itself when all God wanted was to share this whole creation with us and give us stewardship of everything. Humans create this rift between ourselves and God. So, what the rest of the Bible has been about, as we've read through it these past nine months, it's all been about explaining how God will get us, who have free will, to love God back to return to God. Maybe you have an experience to draw from that might help you, helps me understand kind of how God might feel. The prophets speak of God like this from time to time. Think of someone you had a crush on at some point in your life, and you want to get that other person to like you, maybe even to love you. How do you do that? I mean, I suppose you could write a note in class, you know, let's say you're a a kid and you're in class and you could write a note that says, you know, hey, I just passed a law, you have to like me, sign Jason. Oh, and if you don't like me, you're dead forever. Now, that's actually quite awful, right? Like, not funny. But so many people think that's how God works. Like, God wants our devotion, love, and praise. So, someday you have to believe, you have to love Jesus, or you'll burn in eternity, you'll burn in hell for eternity. That's not funny. And it's awful. Awful as a kid writing a threatening note in class. Our God is not that kid. Scripture tells us that God does not legislate our love. Love me or else. That's just not how true love works, is it? You can't force someone to love you even if you're God. All you can do is evoke that feeling by loving them first and loving them perfectly. And that's what God does with Israel time and time and time again. That is what the life of Christ is about, and that is what the Spirit does in our lives. The Spirit of the living God evokes love from us by first loving us perfectly. God wants us to love Him. And maybe that sounds needy, or maybe that sounds small somehow, but the more you think about it and the more Scripture you read, the more life you live, the more sense it makes. It is that simple, love. It is what it's all about. In Bible studies, we many times, I think, make it more difficult than it really needs to be as we try to figure out, well, why does God do this, or why does God say that? when actually everything God does is in an effort to evoke love from us. 
so much so that God chooses to become human, live and die as one, so much so that through faith, God shares God's own resurrection with us who are doomed to die. We don't deserve to share in Christ's resurrection. No matter how good we are, no matter how much we believe, God graces us with it as a gift. God does everything God does in an effort to evoke love from us for Him. Is it working on you? Are you in love with God? Or maybe you have a hard time imagining what would that even mean? I will say what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean just dutifully checking the church box off every once in a while, like, yep, did that, done. Had my kid baptized, done. Had my kid confirmed, done. I've heard that one before, I want to get my kid done. Went to worship, done. Said my prayers, done. Imagine being married, and that's how your mate treated spending time with you. You know, like, okay, we had breakfast together, done. We went on a date night, done. Slept in the same bed, again, done. How would your kids feel if that's how you loved them? You know, I went to your game, done. Listened to your stories about school and all the drama, done. Offered advice about that life problem you had, again, done. It's all like, can I just get back to my life? Love is not a life filled with getting to done. Loving God isn't about meeting some random set of requirements. Loving God's never done, just as God's love for us is never done. Like any relationship is never done. Maybe you think Jesus died and rose and that was that, as though God is done with us. As if God is done with humanity once resurrection solved that pesky problem of death. Like, yep, solved it, done. But that too isn't how God's love for us works. God's in love with us. And love never ends. Love is never about getting done. It's about having a relationship. And a relationship with God through God's Holy Spirit is not a thought trapped in our head or a feeling felt deep in our hearts, and that's the only place it lives. A relationship with God is embodied by our bodies, and it requires time and our energy and actually listening and talking and sacrificing and gifting. We may be mad, sad, happy, or glad in our relationship with God at different times of our lives. Sharing those feelings with God, experiencing life with God at your side, that includes your whole self, not the abstract parts of ourselves. And that kind of relationship evokes love from us for God. Pentecost is about the Spirit of God coming to us so that we would have this intimate relationship with God at our fingertips, that we would be able to and be willing to communicate directly to God through God's living Spirit. We're allowed, we're equipped to, pay, to pray directly to our Creator. We're allowed to worship Him. We have complete access to God through Jesus. We may receive forgiveness. When we listen, we actually are led to where we need to go just like any other relationship in this life. 
and it requires our time, some sacrifice, some give, and some take. So this whole upcoming season after Pentecost, I call it the time of the church, because in it we talk a lot about what the church gets to do in a world where resurrection is real and a relationship with the living God is possible. What do we do now that we've hit the real jackpot? How do we have a relationship with God that grounds all our other words, deeds, thoughts, and actions? And so we'll pray, and we'll read Scripture, and maybe we'll, I don't know what your, script, your spiritual practices might be, drawing or hiking through the woods or listening to sacred music or worshiping each week. There's all kinds of ways to be in an ongoing relationship with God. God's never done loving us. Pentecost reminds us that in the Spirit, we, we can have a relationship with this God who lived and died for us. We can, despite our sinfulness, love God back. Thanks be to God. Amen.